I want us to make this confession and let the praise team take their seat, let you take your seat. We're going to get right into the word. I want you to say, with, say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father say, we thank, you we thank you that here at Fellowship of Champions, we value, we value the Word of God. Word of God. Say, here at, Fellowship of Champions, here at Fellowship of Champions, we value people. We value say, we value teamwork, we value teamwork and, we value and we value excellence. Say, we believe, we believe that, we that we are strong, strong spiritually, spiritually, and therefore, and therefore we, choose we choose to live, to live the unoffendable, unoffendable lifestyle. Now, if you believe that, go ahead and give the Lord some praise. You may be seated. God bless you all. You may take your seat. Hallelujah. Let's just jump right into the word of God. I want to just jump right into kind of where we were several weeks ago, talking about living the unoffendable lifestyle or living a life where you are unoffendable. How many of you know it's really important to make the decision to live an unoffendable life? You know, uh, we were talking about this uh, a couple, couple weeks ago when we first started this, and I was saying to you that I truly believe with everything in me that the key to being successful is learning to live an unoffendable lifestyle. And we spent several weeks talking about what offense is, what it looks like. We talked about the areas in which offense will attack you, whether it was in your mind, your body, your vision your finances, your relationships, your job, whatever it was. And then I came back the week after that and I gave you nine critical uh, tools that you could use in the event that you got offended. Because how many of you know if you live in this world, there's going to be opportunities to be offended? Amen. Look at your neighbor say, neighbor, neighbor. You, never know. you never know. You might offend me. It could be your neighbor, but the Bible doesn't say you wouldn't be offended. What it said is that you will have many opportunities to be offended, but you did not have to take them. Amen. So somebody may do something to you, and, and, and they may not even intend to do it, and you may become offended. But just because offense comes doesn't mean it has to live there. Amen. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the key to overcoming offense. This is, this is what we've been working up for. I love what Pastor Sean was saying to you guys this morning because her, we don't typically talk about you know, what one of us are going to teach except for maybe if we're in a series, she kind of knows I'm going to talk about offense. What she didn't know is that what I was going to say to you this morning is that unless you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you will always struggle with being offended. What she did not know is that I was going to tell you that, the, that you don't have the willpower to will yourself out of being offended. The issue is your willpower only goes so far. Your willpower will only last so long. The Bible says that long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. If you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, you don't have long-suffering. And so the issue is that while, you may, while I may offend you once and you forgive me, I may offend you twice and you forgive me, if I continue to do that, you're going to allow offense to set a residence in your heart. Only the Holy Spirit has the ability to help you live the unoffendable lifestyle. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you need the Holy Spirit to live successfully. So I want to talk to you this morning about the key to conquering offense. Here is the key to conquering offense. It's a one word phrase, love. 
A lot of folk don't like to talk about it. They see it as being something simple in the church because they equate love to what they know about love. They equate it to that feel-like kind of love or, or uh, to, to all the, the different kind of loves. But there's only one love that is the most powerful love there is, and that's agape love. It is the kind of love that you don't get because you work for it. It is given to you as a free gift. The free gift is, this, is the endowment of the Holy Spirit. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, the Holy Spirit comes with many gifts. Yeah, see, a lot of people think about the Holy Spirit and they're like, oh, you know, I'm afraid of the Holy Spirit. And, and I, or like Pastor Sean said, you grow up in a church that taught you the Holy Spirit was something that you catch. The Holy Spirit is not a communicable disease. It's not something that you catch. Folk can't sneeze on you when you catch the Holy Ghost. When you're in church you, and people get up and the people get happy and they shout and they sing, that's not the Holy Ghost, that's emotion. No, 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 let me help you. Nothing wrong with emotion. Nothing wrong with feeling a sense of emotion that causes you to run. But that running is not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the paraclete. The Bible decries that the paraclete, that word means teacher. So the Holy Spirit is your teacher. What does he teach you? How to keep your mouth closed sometimes. What, is he, what, what does the Holy Spirit teach you? He teaches you when not to say something. He teaches you when to say something. He teaches you when to forgive. He teaches you when to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you live your life based on a carnal mindset. And if you live your life on a carnal mindset, then you're no better off than the person who doesn't come to church and the person who doesn't know Jesus. Listen, I said it to you many, many times before, and I'm going to say it again today. Just because you decide to go stand in the garage doesn't make you a car. Just because you come to church don't mean you got the Holy Ghost. You have to receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, it comes with many, many gifts. Let me be clear this morning. Offense is Satan's trap to hold you back from God's blessings. The reason that offense is such a powerful spirit is because it makes you forfeit everything that rightfully belongs to you. See, understand that I don't care what nobody tell you. The devil can't take nothing from you. If the devil could take something, he'd have took the keys from Jesus, but he couldn't. The Bible says literally that Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says he I don't care what some preacher says. The Bible says that he went to hell. A real place. Yeah. And in that place, he took the keys from him and then he rose again. And when he rose again, the Bible said he had all power in his hand and he gave that same power unto you and I. Yeah. So if the devil yeah. couldn't take keys from Jesus, he can't take nothing from me. So anything he gets from you is by forfeiture. So you got to ask yourself, what have I been forfeiting to the devil? What have I been giving up to him because I've allowed offense to come into my life? So let's be clear here. Offense is a powerful tool used by the enemy. He uses it because he wants you to forfeit the blessings that God has available to you. The Bible says, look, saints, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. In other words, he says, don't be tricked and fooled because he does the same thing all the time. How many of you know the devil ain't got no new tricks? He didn't have any new tricks. In fact, he comes at you the same way every single time. It's not new. Once you figure it out, he can't defeat you anymore. The problem is, the Bible says this, the Bible says you are drawn away. 
by the lust of your own flesh. So what he does is you're like a fish. See, some fish don't like certain lures. So if you throw a certain lure in the water, certain fish won't even look at it. But the devil knows what lure you like. He, he, he knows what lure that, that you'll hang on to. And if you don't know the lure, then he'll throw it at you and you will see this shiny lure object and you will latch on to it and he'll reel you in. And here's, what, and here's how demonic the devil is. He'll reel you in, take you off the hook, throw you back just so he can do it all over again. And some of you have lived your life being hooked and reeled, hooked and reeled, hooked and reeled. Because you will not allow God to come into your life and sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, so that you can live the kind of lifestyle that God has, has planned for you. So, so here's what the Bible says. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24, the disciples asked Jesus as he was departing for heaven, another real place. I, I, I'm going to keep reiterating that because some of you don't know, but I need you to know that there's a preacher who said heaven wasn't real and hell wasn't real. If you don't believe heaven was real, if you don't believe hell is real, then you forfeit your salvation. Now, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I, I, I parenthetically insert this. The Bible says Jesus died. He went to hell. As a condition of him going to hell, he rose again so that you could live a sin-free life. If there is no hell, you ain't saved. If there is no heaven, then Jesus ain't sitting at the right hand of no father. And if all that's true, we should shut all this down and go ahead and go to the country club and just chill out. The Bible says, let me, let me, let me show you, because this is what's happening. Because here's what happens. Can I, can I, let me help you. When people get offended, they create new theology. Because if I get offended that you say something to me about fornicating, I just make a new theology that says it's okay to fornicate. If you make a the, if, I, if I get offended because the church keeps telling me to give, I just make a theology that says you don't have to give. Whatever I do, I just make a theology that fits my wretchedness. You cannot bring the Bible down to your standard. You can only live up to it or live the way you want, but God will never be brought down. The Bible says if I be lifted up, talking about Jesus, he said, I'll draw all men unto me. He didn't say anything about if I came down and lowered my standard, didn't expect so much, Maybe the people will come. No, the problem is, is that people are coming to church, but they're not coming for Jesus. Because what we're delivering to them is something that's inauthentic. We're giving them something that's not Jesus himself. And we do it because we don't want folk to get mad. But that's the problem. Offense needs to be dealt with. So if you, they shouldn't be speaking in tongues. You're offended. Why do they always talk about giving? You're offended. They're always talking about fast. You're offended. Anytime you don't like what's in the word, you're offended. And the Bible says, woe unto him who is offended. Why? Because when they were talking to Jesus in Matthew 24, here's what they said. Matthew 24, 10 through 13, it says, and then shall many be offended. Look what Jesus said to them. He said, listen, because they were asking, they said, Lord, how are we going to know when it's the last days? 
How are we going to know when you get ready to establish your kingdom? He said, keep your eyes open. He said, because in those days, many people will be offended. He said, not only will they be offended, but watch what offense will do. They shall betray one another. Watch this. Not only will they betray one another, they'll start hating one another. He said, and in that day, watch this, false prophets will arise. The ones talking about ain't no hell. He says, in those days, folk will get offended. And when you get offended, you do all kinds of things you wouldn't normally do. He said, now you're going to betray. That's that's why you take two people who've been friends and they done all kind of dirt together. And then they get offended and they fall out and they spill the beans. Because offense makes you betray people. Offense makes you hate people. And watch this. You can get offended with the very people you do life with. And if you get offended at the very people you do life with and you try to willpower your way out of it, that offense doesn't leave. So what you end up doing is destroying the very people you say you love. He says, and they shall many, and shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise. And watch this. They shall deceive many. It says, and because iniquity shall abound. How many of you know iniquity is abounding? It says the love. Watch this. The love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. If you read that in the Greek, what you find out in that last sentence, when he says, but he that shall endure, that doesn't mean just making it. It literally means, because notice what he's talking about. He's talking about what's going to happen in the last days. He said people are going to be offended. He said, but those who endure, those who overcome offense, they're going to make it. Not just heaven. That word word saved there, sozo, delivered. He says, if they learn to deal with the spirit of offense, they'll make it. The reason some of you don't make it in certain situations is because you haven't learned to deal with offense. You haven't really learned how to deal with with, with this world because you're trying to deal with the world, with the world system. And the Bible says, how can Beelzebub cast out Beelzebub? In other words, how can you cast out the world using the world? In other words, he said, literally, it's like you trying to take out water from the ocean by pumping water in the ocean. It's a losing cause. So what you want to do is you want to defeat the devil, but you using demonic means to do it. Willpower is great. But if willpower is all you ever needed, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. He, 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 gave, he didn't just give you willpower. He gave you willpower to ask for his power, which causes you to walk in supernatural power. Tell your neighbor, say, I am a supernatural being. See, most people don't even like to say that because they go, oh, I'm not a super. Yes, you are. I don't care what nobody tells you. The Bible says that you were created a little lower than Elohim. The Bible translation says that it says you were created a little lower than angels. But watch this. You weren't created lower than angels because you have more dominion than angels. How do we know? Because the Bible says that we say to our angels, go, and they go. So if I'm commanding an angel, I ain't been created lower than an angel. He says, I have been created a little lower than Elohim himself. That means in the, in, in the God verse, there's God and me and Jesus. Oh, see, y'all, oh, that's blasphemous. He can't put himself on the same level. I didn't do it. Jesus said it. 
Jesus says, greater works will you do than I did. Because Jesus had a revelation that we still ain't got yet. That if we have not only his power, but we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to be here longer than he was. Come on. Come on. I love this. The Bible says that if it could be written, libraries could not contain all that Jesus did in his three and a half years. Now, how long you been here? So, so, so if Jesus says greater works that you should do, then you and I got some work to be doing. But we can't do it when we give in to offense. Amen? Amen? Listen, the church has become offended with sinners. And that's a problem. Sinners are supposed to, we're supposed to be embracing sinners. This is the place they're supposed to go. But churches around the world have become offended with sinners. Why? Because folk come to church and all you want to do is talk about how bad they are. That's why they come. You, you get a prostitute to walk off the street and you talk about who she slept with. That was her occupation. You ought to be ministering love to her. Not talking about her. You get the crackhead who walks in the door and all you talk about is, oh, I don't want them to steal something. How about you pray the spirit of demonic drugs off that person and get them healed and delivered? But the church is offended. The church is offended. Offense has crept in everywhere. Members are offended with their pastors. And they get offended, so they leave the church. Just to go down the road and be offended with the next pastor. And then when they don't do what they want them to do, they move on to someplace else. Now, understand, I have no problem with people going to different churches and being where you're supposed to be. But don't leave because you're mad. Don't leave because you're offended. Don't leave because they didn't put your carpet in. Don't leave because they didn't sing your song. Don't leave because they didn't paint it your color. At least have a reason from the Lord of why you're leaving. But offense just comes to everybody. It's just, it's just rampant. Employees are offended with their employers, so they quit their jobs. Couples are offended in marriage, so they divorce, citing irreconcilable differences. Now, you mean to tell me you serve a God of restoration? But it's irreconcilable. Somebody lied. <laughs> now, 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 don't get me wrong. If you choose to divorce, I, I, I respect that and understand that. But don't say it's irreconcilable because now you have said God can't do something. Just be bold and say, you know what? I'm done with that joker. But don't lie on God. Don't lie on God. And that's what I was saying the other day to somebody. What we keep doing is every time something approaches us, we change the gospel to fit us. Sometimes you just got to say, I ain't there yet. I know what the word says. I know what my flesh is doing. I ain't there yet. But I ain't going to change the word to make it fit me so I can feel good. Children and young adults are offended. So they bring guns to school and shoot anybody in their path. This country wakes up every day mad, angry, and upset, and with an attitude. And, and, and I'm telling you, if you live your life that way, you won't even get a chance to hear when God says he wants to bless you. And sadly, this is not just the disposition of the world. It's become the disposition of believers. Take a neighbor and say, neighbor, there should be, there should be a difference between us and them. Amen. It just should be. It just should be a difference. Listen, the dictionary defines the word offense as a violation or a transgression meant to hurt or cause pain. 
And this is the one that blew me away. To call someone to fall into a sinful state. Now that's Webster. Now when you get Webster's Dictionary talking about sinful states, you know it's bad. It says literally that the offense is a violation. It is a transgression. It is meant to hurt or to cause pain or to cause someone to fall into a sinful state. Why does the devil want you to fall into a sinful state? Romans chapter 6 verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. It says, but the free gift of God, the Holy Spirit, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The reason that the enemy wants you to fall into a sinful state is because if you can fall into a sinful state, even though you are heaven bound, you will live like hell till you get there. That's his job. He can't, I told you earlier, he can't take anything from you. So if you have been born again, you are heaven bound. But there's nothing worse than to be heaven bound and live the next 80 years in hell. Why? Because you, because you have no Holy Spirit guiding you. You have nothing teaching you. Everything you're doing, you're trying to do carnally. Everything you're doing, you're trying to do with your own best efforts. And even your own best efforts will fail. Yeah. And so the Bible says it's important for us to remember that these wages of sin is death. Offense wants to invite you in so that you can live in a sinful state. Make this declaration. Say, I declare I, declare. I, will, not I will not live, live in, a in a sinful state. The Bible says it like this. It says you've been delivered from sin. Then why would you return to sin? So God saves you, but you would still continue to live in a sinful state because of your thinking? He says, you got to change your thinking if you're going to change your life. Otherwise, you're heaven bound, but you're going to suffer all the effects of hell until you get there. He says, so you got to make sure that you understand that that Romans 6.23, when it says for the wages of sin is death, it's not talking about a natural death per se, but it's talking about death, separation from the will of God. Listen, the spirit of offense chokes off ordinary conversations. Just ordinary, ordinary conversations that are benign. When offense gets involved, turns into a big deal. Friends break up over regular conversations because offense comes. You ask me what I think. I don't, I, I don't come to you and call you and say, do you want to know my opinion? You ask me. You, you, you call me, you solicit my advice, I tell you, and then you get offended because I told you. And, 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 and then not, not only are you offended, now your, your offense causes you to now betray our friendship. Because you're offended, now you're looking for somebody else who will agree with you so y'all can talk about me. So now we got all this unnecessary triangulation because the truth of the matter is, is that if you didn't want to know what I thought, you just shouldn't have asked. Or be mature enough that even if I disagree with you, disagreeing with you don't mean I don't like you. Practice detachment. Sometimes you got to practice detachment. You and I have a different of opinions. That don't mean we have to fall out. Folk do it all the time. You got a thousand statuses that y'all agreed on, but you got one status y'all didn't agree on, and y'all y'all unfriended each other on Facebook. Because you offended. Because you offended. Listen, I tell people all the time, you got the right to your own opinion, even if I think it's stupid. It's your opinion. You got a right to it, and I respect you for having it, no matter how wrong it is. It's yours. 
And you got to be mature enough to, for people to say the same thing to you. You don't have to get offended and fall out about everything. Listen, offense chokes out the benefit of the doubt. Offense chokes out the benefit of the doubt. My wife and I say to each other all the time if we get into something and, and we think somebody didn't say something, did something, we say all the time, hey, I'm not your enemy. Think the best about me. That's what we say to each other. Think the best about if she if I say something in the wrong tone, she say something in the wrong tone. And it's like, yo, hold on a minute. Who are you talking to? We're like, hey, think the best. I ain't mean it that way. Offense takes out the benefit of the doubt. It strips it away. So now all offense does is look for the ill intent. That's all offense does. Offense looks for the fact that you're going to say something about me. So even if you don't say something about me, whatever you said, I manufacture it to make it about me. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, every Facebook status ain't about you. Say, quit centering yourself. That's right. Offense makes you center yourself. The other thing it does is offense chokes off forgiveness. It's hard to forgive when you're mad. You have to make a decision to let stuff go. And, and, and watch this. Here's how you know you let it go. When a similar situation arrives, you ain't still talking about the old situation. Because the truth of the matter is you ain't forgave me if every time you can bring it up, you bring it up. Now, I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I say all the time, the Bible says the Lord cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. I'm a human being. I remember. Now, 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 I mean, that, let's just be honest. I, I remember. I got a mind. My mind remembers. My mind is sharp. I remember. But I don't remember to the degree that I use it. And that is the reason you need the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will talk to you when you get ready to use it. The Holy Spirit say, no, 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 that's not what we do. But if you just try to do that in your own will, depending on who it is and what they did, you'll let the thing go, to, go sideways and you'll end up being upset about something you said you forgave somebody about. What's the other thing offense does? Offense chokes off tolerance. Offense chokes off tolerance. You got to understand as a believer, you got to show people the same kind of mercy and the same kind of grace you want somebody to show you. I know Big Mama been telling you you perfect all your life, but let me help you. You not. You not perfect. You blow it. You mess up. Your stuff stink. Yes, you mess up too. And the truth of the matter is, somebody else is going to blow it. Somebody else is going to mess up. And if you don't show them tolerance, how are you going to want tolerance? Come on. In fact, I wasn't even going to talk about this, but now I am. And you don't have to like it. and You don't have to agree with it. But you better not run up here. <laughs> now, let, let, me, let me tell you about tolerance, right? So we're big on justice, right? I'm big on justice. I, I, believe, I, I believe that any injustice against anybody is wrong. I personally, and this is, this is my personal opinion, you ain't got to take it, it ain't the church's opinion, it's my opinion. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like his policies. I don't like what he stands for. I don't like the way he talks to people. I don't like his demeanor. Neither do I like his, 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 his communications director who go out there and speak for him, Miss Huckabee, Huckabee Sanders. I, I, I don't particularly care for her. I don't like the fact that she, that she marginalizes people when she speaks. I realize she's just doing a job, but I don't like it. But at the same time, 
When she was kicked out of that restaurant, I can't be clapping and supporting it. Now, I know there was a lot of people who was talking about how, no, that's what she get, blah, 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 blah. Let me help you. If you are a believer, you cannot celebrate injustice and ask for justice. Now, now my flesh says if it happened to somebody, it couldn't have happened to a better person. But I don't live by my flesh. And so because I don't live by my flesh, neither do I go out on social media and make God look bad by talking about I'm glad it happened to her. Why? Because the reality of it is, whether it's a civil rights injustice or not, if it's okay for somebody to deny her a restaurant because they don't like her, then don't you complain when they do it to you. Because right is right. Michelle Obama had it right. When they go low, we go high. I know it's hard for you to go high sometimes, but sometimes you ought to just go high. You just got to go low in your closet. If you got to go low, go low in your closet so you don't ruin your witness by looking like a fool talking about, I praise injustice. I need justice. You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. You are offended at Donald Trump and you are offended at Sarah Sanders Huckabee or Huckabee Sanders. And as a result, then when something bad happens to them, you can embrace it because offense always makes you betray somebody. Always makes you, you don't have to like it, but like I said, you better not run up here, but you don't have to like it, but it's the truth. It's the truth. And here's, what's, here's the problem. The church has started to compartmentalize what's good and what's bad. But Jesus says, this is good and this is bad. You don't get to go, well, I like a little bit of bad, so I'm going to mix a little bad with my little good. You just don't get to do it. Offense chokes, because here, let's take that off of her, okay? Let's say you got two friends, right? You got two friends, and one of your friends, you real cool, and y'all in good relationship, and they need something, right? Okay, so you help them, right? But the other friend, y'all been kind of on the, on the skits for a little while, and maybe y'all ain't that good. But the Lord tell you to help them, but you go, you know what? They did so-and-so, so why should I help them? It's the same situation. It's the same situation. You're choosing to do something wrong because of how you feel about it. It's a lot of times that I don't have the inclination to want to do a certain thing, but I am led by the Holy Spirit. So when he says do it, I do it. So it's important for you to understand that. Offense chokes off, in, uh, uh, chokes off tolerance. Watch this. Offense denies human imperfection. Offense expects a simple, loving person to be precise and mechanical while trying to express sincerity. Offense expects you to be perfect. Offense says the only way me and Chris get to maintain this relationship is I don't ever mess up. And if the only way we get to maintain a relationship is we don't ever mess up, we only maintain a relationship knowing at some point it's going to end because neither one of us is perfect. That people be lying about for better or for worse. They really mean for better or better. Like, no, for real. They get mad and they're like, all right, we're going to get married and this, we, we happy and it better not get worse than this. Because I didn't sign up for anything worse than what we're doing up here at this altar. But the truth of the matter is not two, you take two imperfect people and mash them together in a relationship, it's going to be some drama. It's going to be some, and that's why you got to learn these tools because if you don't learn the tools, you'll end up either getting divorced or staying together and being miserable. Listen, offense leaves no room for error. It always assumes the worst. 
Offense ignores the obvious intention and digs for the ugly. Offense ignores the obvious intention and it digs for the ugly. What do I mean? Somebody say something to you and you're not really sure if they meant that bad. So you ask six people till you find one person go, oh, I don't know if they meant that good. Now, the other five people say, well, I don't know if they really meant anything by that. You don't care about them. So-and-so says so-and-so to me, what do you think? Well, I don't know if they mean anything by it. Oh, you don't know them. <laughs> then you find somebody go, what? they said that to you? Yes, they sure did. Because offense is digging for the ugly. It's looking for somebody. It's looking for somebody who will agree with it. Offense allows common everyday words to be misconstrued and, impl and implicated as the offender of rights. Offense, it just takes common everyday conversation and it misconstrues it. And, and, and that's the reason why communication skills is so important, especially between people who are in close relationship. If somebody says something to you and you think they meant it a certain way, you should ask before you get offended. My wife and I do that all the time. I'll say something, she'll say something. Usually mostly it's me because I, I talk with a different tone sometimes when I get real comfortable. And she'll say to me, she'll go, did you mean to say that that way? And I'll be like, what do you mean? She said, you said that kind of gruff. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that gruff. She said, oh, okay. But now, if, if, she, if she hadn't learned to exercise that, then I say something to her, she'd think I mean it one way, and now her whole attitude changed because she think I said something I didn't really mean. That's how people fall out at church. That's why praise teams break up. That's why ushers don't get along. That's why the ministerial staff fighting. Why? Because people don't communicate. Offense is there to cause you not to communicate. You have, I tell my family all the time, we have to over-communicate. If you want to stay in a good place with a person, you got to learn how to over-communicate. Amen? You do not give offense room to, 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 to breed discontent. So what's, what's really the key once and all for overcoming the spirit of offense. Because it's not just enough to know how the enemy will use it to attack us. And it's not even just enough to have the tools to deal with it when it comes. The real key to overcoming offense is learning about the love of God. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, the love of God is your key to spiritual success. It is your key to spiritual success. Why? Because we say all the time in this church, we say all the promises of God are received by faith. I'm going to say it again. All the, Pastor John, get y'all cheat sheet. All the promises of God are received by faith. But the Bible says your faith only works through love. So you can't even get the promises through faith unless you get love down first. So the real key to overcoming offense is understanding how to walk in the love of God. Pro, write this down. Proverbs 10 and 12. Proverbs 20, 10 and 12 says this. It says, hatred stares up strife, but love covers all offenses. It says, hatred stares up strife, but love covers all offenses. And then James 3.16. James 3.16 says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, which is envy and strife, there will always be disorder in every vile practice. Now notice those two scriptures. It says hatred stares up strife. And then it says strife, wherever there's strife, there's going to be every evil work. And all of that starts because of offense. 
Because when you have offense, offense turns into hate. Hate turns into strife. Strife opens the door. Think about it like this. Strife is like going to your house and taking your front door off the hinge. And you going to bed. And every critter, every bug, every thief, every robber, every, everything that's in this environment just comes into your house. That is what strife does to you spiritually. It opens you up. And every vile affliction that's available finds its way into your heart. And then you wonder why you're depressed. Then you wonder why you're angry. Then you wonder why you're alone. Then you wonder why you're manic. Then you wonder why you're sick. Then you wonder why you don't, you, don't, you don't know which way you're going. Because every evil work is coming into your heart because you won't deal with offense. It all starts with offense. Proverbs 20 and 3 says this. It says, it is an honor for a man to keep away from strife. But every fool will be found quarreling. Now think about that. He says it's an honor. It's an honorable thing for a man to keep himself out of strife. He said, but every fool will find himself quarreling. This was the scripture that, learned, that helped me to learn to shut my mouth sometimes. Because my wife and I would be talking, we'd be fussing back and forth, and I would hear the Lord say, you know you're acting like a fool. And I, and, and I realized what he was really saying to me is, hey, you're, you, you, you're fighting and you're saying words I'm not giving you to say, hoping it's going to work out for your benefit. But the fact of the matter is, you will never win. Even if you win the battle, you don't win the war. Because I can't tell you how many people have tore up their relationships, not just marriage, friendships, whatever it is, because they didn't have the ability to just be quiet long enough to only say what God said. Because somebody's fussing with you and you're going back and forth, especially if you, some of y'all got them sharp tongues. As my, my Meemaw used to say, you got that slick mouth. And, and some of y'all got that slick mouth and somebody say something to you and they ain't through saying it before you already got your comeback. And, and here's what's funny. We be proud about it too. And the whole time heaven going, fool. Fool. But you think you're doing something because you're in your carnal self. But the Bible says you need to study to be quiet. You need to study to be quiet. Sometimes you need to hit the pause button. Watch this. All foolishness doesn't require a response. Oh, I know that's hard. You're like, oh, no, pastor. Oh, no. Some foolishness requires. No, no. All foolishness doesn't require a response. Sometimes the Lord will say to you, just don't say anything. And then if you ever actually be quiet long enough, now the Lord will begin to talk to the person who was talking to you. And many times he'll have them come back and be like, you know what? I was out of order. I'm sorry. But he can't talk to them because you're talking to them. And sometimes he just needs you to be quiet. So Proverbs 20 and 3 says, it's an honor for a man to keep away from strife. But every fool would be found quarreling. And then Proverbs 22 and 10 says this. It says, drive out a scoffer and strife will go home and quarreling will cease. Now, when he says drive out the scoffer, he ain't talking about an individual. Who is the scoffer? Offense. He says drive out offense and all the strife will leave. Drive out offense and all the fighting will stop. Do you notice you don't fight with people you're not offended with? Isn't that amazing? 
Isn't it amazing the kind of wonderful relationship you have with the people you're not mad at? The Bible says it can happen in every situation if you just get rid of offense. So how do we do this? We're going to hang our hat right here. 1 Corinthians 13. If you don't do nothing this week, you go home, you read 1 Corinthians 13. You ought to read all of it. You ought to read it on Monday. You ought to read it on Tuesday. You ought to read it on Wednesday and Thursday. Don't forget about Friday, Saturday, before you come to church next Sunday, you ought to read it. Every day that ends in Y, you ought to read it. Why? Because look at what it says. It says, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, he says, he says it don't matter what I can do. If I don't have any love, I ain't nothing. He then says in verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and even if I can understand all the mysteries, and even if I had all knowledge, and even though I have all kinds of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, if I don't have love, I ain't nothing. And that's what a lot of people forget. They're like, oh, but I got faith. To, to, I, I can believe for this, and I can prophesy, and I got a word of knowledge. But do you walk in love? Yeah. Because if you don't walk in love, the Bible says you are nothing. It profits you. Not, not, only does it, not only that, it says you are nothing. It was clear. Not just it don't profit you. If you don't have love, you are nothing. Why? Let me help you. The Bible says God is God and Jesus are one. The Bible says, as Jesus is, so am in this So if God is love, that means Jesus is If I'm in Jesus, then I ought to be But if I ain't got love, I ain't nothing. And that's how you exegete the scripture. It's clear. If I, ain't, if, if I do not have love, I am nothing. It don't matter that I can prophesy. It don't matter that I can lay hands. It don't matter that I have faith. It doesn't matter that I can sing. It doesn't matter that I'm a great faster. It doesn't matter I'm a great prayer. The fact of the matter, if you don't have love, you don't have anything. You are nothing. He then says in verse 3, he says, and though I bestow all of my goods. See, some folks think they're special because they give a lot. Well, pastor, I'm a consistent tither. I give my offering. I give other gifts whenever it's asked for. Uh Uh-huh. But you ain't got no love in your heart. And so because you don't have any love in your heart, you give a lot, but you still nothing. He says, and though I bestow all my gifts to feed the poor, and even if I give up my own body to be, ser- be, to be burned as a sacrifice, if I don't have love, he said, all that giving, it profits me nothing. I tell people sometimes, people be start talking to me about, well, pastor, I've been giving and giving and giving, and ain't nothing happening. Check your love. Check your love. Because the Bible says if you give and it's not profiting you, then it has something to do with your love. He says, if you don't have love, you don't have anything. Verse 4 says, love suffered long. Ooh. Yes. Take your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. love, love. Puts, up puts up with a whole lot. Y'all got that throwaway ministry. <laughs> y'all be quick on that throwaway ministry. I get them about my life. I don't play that. My circle getting small. It's the dumb stuff people say. It's not biblical. And why it may sound good, it's not biblical. The Bible doesn't say nothing about your circle getting small. <laughs> Verse 4. It says love suffered long. It says, watch this, love is kind. It says love didn't have any envy in it. 
It says love doesn't vault, itse doesn't vault itself. It says love isn't puffed up. Listen, if you do something for somebody, out of the kindness of your heart, you ain't got to remind them every time you see them. You remember that shirt I gave you? Man, get out of here. You didn't, you didn't do that for the right reason. You know, we had to have a conversation with our kids when they, when they were little. Um, and, they, and they didn't know, and that's why you have to teach them. But, you know, we would give, give clothes because we had a bunch of kids, and they were growing so fast, so we would give clothes away. And we used to have to tell them, if you see somebody in something that we gave, don't be talking about, oh, that used to be my shirt. <laughs> but you have to teach them that. But you don't do that. If you give something, once you give it, then you don't talk about it anymore. The Bible says don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He says, so love suffers a long time. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love it doesn't, doesn't exalt itself. It's not puffed up. Watch this. Love does not behave itself unseemly. My wife said love don't act a fool. Watch this. Love doesn't seek its own way. If you love me, you'll do this. The Bible says that's manipulation and witchcraft. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't say if you love me, you'll do this. That's manipulation and witchcraft. And that can't be, it can't be love. Love doesn't behave that way. It says love is not easily provoked. So when, you, when you're walking in love, everything don't make you mad. You ain't mad at everything. I tell people all the time, listen, I'm not a big fan of this current administration, but I don't wake, every, I don't wake up every day hating the administration. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I, can, I, 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 I have learned how to respond to save my peace and keep my love. I wish no ill will on anybody in that administration. When I see people who be posting stuff like he get assassinated, I tell them, I don't care whether they like me or not. I, I, I say, that's not right. That's a human being. And you don't get to call yourself a believer and wish ill will on somebody. The Bible don't say nothing about that nowhere in them pages. Come on. And then, and then folks say, well, you know, he, he, he wished ill will on somebody else. The Bible says vengeance is mine, said the Lord, not vengeance is yours. If, if, if somebody get God, you let God get them. Your job is to love. That's your job. Your job is to love. And you can say what you want to say and act like you want to say, but it don't change the word. It don't change the word. And here's how, and here how faithful God is. He ain't going to reward you because you do it differently. I love it. I love it. So people, people are like, well, well I'm just going to do it my way. Great. Do it your way. But we know what the Bible says. And, the, and, and God would be unjust to bless you when you got ill will towards somebody else and tell me I can't have it. It says love does not behave itself like that. Verse 6 says love does not rejoice in iniquity. But it rejoices in the truth. Did you hear me? It rejoice love rejoices in the truth. No matter who says the truth. No matter who it's about. Love likes the truth. Love, love, love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It says love beareth all things. I love it. Love believeth all things. Love hope all things. And love endures all things. Verse 8 says love never fails. Never fails.
fails. What you mean you fell out of love? Oh, you fell out of fila. But you don't fall out of agape if you ever got it. The Bible says this. The Bible says here's how you know you're saved. Not because you joined the church. Not because you came up here, they laid hands on you, you fell down and didn't hurt yourself. Because in the Kojic church, that's what they used to tell us. If you fell out and you hurt yourself, you weren't in the spirit. They're like, we don't need no, we don't need no catches. Right, right, you in self. Move back, we don't need no catches. So the Bible says, here's how you know that you are saved. Here's how you know you pass from life to death. That you love the brethren. He said, that's, that's how you know you're saved. How much love you got for the unlovable. The Bible says it like this. It says it's easy for a man to die for somebody that he loves. It says the average man will die for the person that they love. Most of you in here, if you got kids, you'll die for your kids. <laughs> I said most of y'all. Some of y'all are like, well, <laughs> they ain't been here that long. <laughs> but most of y'all, <laughs> most of y'all, most of y'all would die for your kids. But the Bible says this. It says it is a, it is a big thing for you to lay down your life. Watch the example for an unrighteous person. You missed it. You are all unrighteous. But Jesus died for you. That's why John 3.16 says what? For God so that he did what? He, who did he give? That he what? That he would die for you. He, he gave him so that he would die for you that you could. Listen, you were as dirty and unrighteous as the most unrighteous person you can think of. And Jesus still went to the cross for you. Because he loved you. Now, is Jesus asking you to die for strangers? Listen, he ain't even asking you that. That's what walking in love ought to be easy. He ain't asking you to die for the world. He's asking you to die to yourself. Can you crucify your flesh? When you get that urge to really cuss them out, can you control yourself? Will you hit the pause button and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you before you give him that good tongue lash? He says, charity never fails. I like this. He says, but whether there be prophecies, at some point they're going to fail. Even if people speak in tongues, at some point they're going to stop. He says, whether there be a word of knowledge, at some point it's going to vanish too. He says, today we know in part and we prophesy in part. He says, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is perfect is God's love. It says, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. He, and then Paul says, when I was a child, he says, I spake as a child. I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, he says, I put away childish things. He finishes up in verse 12 by saying, for now we see through a glass darkly. But then we see face to face. No, now I know in part. Well, when perfect loves come, I should know even also as I am known. 
Verse 13 says, and now about his faith, watch this, hope, watch this, and love. But these three, the greatest of which is love. You need to develop your faith. You ought to be full of hope. But what you better learn to do is understand God's love. And when you understand God's love, then you can mimic God's love. And when you can begin to mimic God's love, offense can't stay around. The Bible says perfect love does what? Cast fear out the door. Perfect love casts fear out the door. The only reason why you get offended is because you're really afraid. You're afraid somebody's going to take advantage of you. You're afraid somebody's going to talk about you. You're going to afraid you end up in a situation where people are going to mock you. And so because of that, you take offense and you put up a wall so that fear doesn't come into your life. But what you don't realize what you're doing is you're really putting up a wall to keep fear in your life. The Bible says the only way to get fear out is through perfect love. And the only perfect love is in Christ Jesus. So if you want to learn how to live unoffendable, learn how to love. Make a commitment this week and say, you know what? I'm going to meditate on how much God loves me. Because when I meditate on how much God loves me, it helps me to transcend that love to other people. You've heard it before. You, people say all the time, you can't love someone else until you first love yourself. Well, you can't love someone like Christ until you first learn how Christ loves you. So I encourage you to make the commitment this week. Because if you do it, those times you failed in the past with offense, even though you had those tools, it'll help you. Now, here's the truth of the matter. Some of you just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need... <laughs> And I ain't trying to scare you, and we're about to go. But some of you just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know churches have gotten away from talking about it. I know they have, because we don't want people to think we're weird. We don't want people to think we're a cult. We don't want people to be traumatized. But here's the reality. You're being traumatized out there in the world. No, you're getting your brains knocked in. You, you, you wonder why it ain't working for you. You, 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 you like, I come to church, I hear the word, I believe God, but you ain't filled. Nobody gets a brand new car and doesn't fill it up. <laughs> Nobody gets a brand new car and goes, I got a new car, but I can't go nowhere. So if you're going to become a brand new person, fill it up. Fill it up. And here's the reality. When you drive your car, your gas runs out. But you ain't got an issue with filling your car up. What's the issue with saying, Lord, I need a refilling? The cares of the world have drained me. I need to be filled. I need your deutimus. I need your power. The Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, it says, And you shall receive power and ability after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
Some of you have no power and ability because you came to church and you got saved, but there was never a filling. Yeah. And some of it is like, so it's hard to me relate sometimes because I'm like the fish, right? The fish that, that was born in water, just been in water. I don't know no different. So I grew up understanding you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I grew up not being afraid of being filled with the Holy Ghost. I grew up not being afraid of having an experience that you yourself couldn't control. See, some of y'all just way too dignified for that. Here's how I know. You don't put your head down. Yeah, y'all got, got that. Miss, me and Miss Tina and Kenosha, we know how it go. You got that classroom behavior. We ask a question. You, because you think if, I, if you can't see me, I can't see you. It don't work that way. Listen, I'm not going to hold you. Here's what we're going to do, though. And this is, this is your act of faith. And, and, I, and I have to say it like this because I don't want you to, I don't want you to have this preconceived idea. Listen, being filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you're going to fly back onto the carpet. It's, it's, I, I know you think that's what it is. I know that's what you think it is because that's what TVs have shown you. And listen, you, you, may, have, you may have an experience that you have never experienced before, but it's okay. The Holy Ghost ain't designed to hurt you. But if indeed you say, Pastor, I don't even know if I'm filled with the Holy Ghost or not, but I want to be. You got to get up out of your seat and come up here right now. You shouldn't wait. You shouldn't look and see who else is going to come. You should just say, I don't even know if I am, but if in case I'm not, I'm coming. If you say, you know what, I want to be, I want to be filled again. I, I want to be, I want to refill it. I want an endowment again. You ought to get up.